Hey, good morning, Christ Church. It's good to see you this morning. Yeah, there we go. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. I'm, I'm rooting for the food tonight. Amen. Uh, no. And can I root for the Browns still? Because we're, we're going to be there next year. Yeah, that's the, the, Browns, the Browns way. Uh, but it's good to be with you today. Uh, we're going to continue our sermon series through the book of 1 Corinthians. But before we do, would you bow your head in prayer with me? Father, we thank you for this time. We, Lord, just ask that you would strengthen our life, that, Father, you would give us a healthy and a strong foundation that we could build on who you are and what you said and what you did for us. And, Father, we pray you'd bring the right people, the right experiences, the right opportunities to strengthen and develop and mature our faith. And, Father, just protect us from the things that can hurt the good work that you've started in each of our lives. Bless this time. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, when Allie and I were uh, married, that first year we ended up buying an older home. It was in, in Cleveland, in West Park neighborhood. It, it was a double. Uh, and, you know, it was real exciting. It, the house was about like 95 years old or so when we bought it, you know. So it's, it's had some days. And, uh, and we did the inspection and looked around and I had my, you know, protractor out and TI-83 plus calculator, so I kind of made sure everything was good. Anybody know what, what those are? Anyway, very advanced um, building material, carpentry stuff. But anyway, but, uh, but no, the, everything like looked good. Like it was old, but, but everything, you know, seemed, you know, to be in good shape. And after we were there for a little bit and, and we, there was a heavy rain, I went down in the basement, and there was, you know, water on the floor. Not like a crazy amount, but enough to concern you. You never want to see water in your basement, amen? And so I was like, oh, man, you know, what do we got going on here? And had some people come and look at it, or it might have been a friend. I can't really remember who did it. But, but they said, I, I, think it's, I think it's okay. It's just the walls are seeping. I was like, they're seeping. They're like, yeah, just, you know, some water's coming through, uh, but it, it should be fine. I was like, well, I don't like the sounds of that. Uh, we're like, well, you, you know, you, you could do this. I don't think it's like your gutters or that kind of thing. You know, I think you could do some water, but it's probably, you know, might be a little expensive. And I said, and this is kind of one of my character defaults. I said, well, I'll just kind of take my chances and <laughs> see what, sorry, pray for me. Um, and, uh, and, and, and luckily, you know, for our experience there, it worked out okay. <laughs> I don't know how it's doing right now, uh, but, but it went okay. But the, the foundation was seeping, and, uh, and that's kind of an, an interesting picture to have in your mind today, because the Apostle Paul is talking to the Corinthian church, and he's going to say that, hey, you've got a foundation that God gave you. It's a spiritual foundation. He said, but, but what I'm sensing, church in Corinth, is that there's some things seeping into that foundation. There's some things coming through, and they're not good. And unlike me, you need to figure out a solution uh, to do this. So we're going to look at this today in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And let me begin with these first several verses, and we'll talk about it. He says, but I, brothers, 
could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. Now, if you've been with us the last couple weeks, you've seen that, that there's a lot of problems going on in this ancient church. And, and Paul in the Corinthian church, they're struggling in their relationship a little bit. And they've kind of gotten to the point where, you know, they're, they're getting a little, uh, a little too big for their britches. Is that how that saying goes? They're, they're getting, you know, they're kind of getting a little overconfident and their understanding and their spiritual wisdom, they're kind of saying, Paul, you know, we, we've grown past you. We, you. You got us started, but, but now we're, we're beyond this. And Paul's like, whoa, guys, slow down. You, you think you're taking steps forward, but you're actually taking steps backwards. You think you, you got it all figured out, but guys, you're still pretty much at square one. So that's what he's been saying. He said, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you're not ready for it, for you are still of, a, of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Paulus, are you not merely being human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigns to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor, for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, and then say these last two words with me, God's building, God's building, you are God's building. Now in this chapter, I believe Paul is, is saying, hey, you, God has given you a spiritual foundation. But that foundation, it needs two things. It, number one, it needs protected. That even a good foundation can get a crack in it. Even a, a foundation that, that was done right and was right from the beginning, it can, it can seep. Water can get in there, and you need to take care of it. The, our foundation needs protected that's the first part. But then secondly, it needs built on. That, that God gave us a foundation, not so that becomes the end of the project, but so that something of meaning and value can be built on it. And today I want to talk to you about being a, a person who's growing in their spiritual lives and understanding how to protect their foundation and how to build on it. Because I think that's what Paul shows us today. Now, the first thing we have to see is how do we, how do we protect the foundation? And Paul shows that the Corinthians are immature because they're jealous, they're fighting, and they're missing the bigger point of their faith. Paul says, God has done a good work in you, but you've lost your way. There's an immaturity. And the reason I know it is because you're, you're jealous of one another. And we saw it in those verses. One says, I follow Apollos. One says, I follow Paul. One says, I follow Peter. And he's like, hey, guys, you're missing the point. It's about God, not each of these people. And again, sometimes, as far as the Christ, we can miss the point. We can start focusing on the wrong thing and missing God entirely. And this is what the Corinthians are doing. Now here, believe it or not, I think, is the, the deeper thing going on here. 
and the thing that we're going to see play out in chapter 3. And it's the thing that, that all of us need to protect against in our lives. And it's the, the sabotaging effort of our ego. See, when you, when you look at this and you think about it and, and you read through all of chapter 3, I think what, what we can see going on here is that the thing that is hurting the foundation of their faith is what today we would say is the human ego. And today I got bad news for you. All of us have one. It's not, it's, it's not just, you know, the people that live in your house. We all got one. And, and all of us, they, here's the thing about the ego, they, they will always try to sabotage God's good gifts. Now think about what's happening in this passage here for a minute. Uh, Paul's saying, look, you, you guys, you're arguing about what God did through me, Paul. You're arguing about what God did through Apollos in your life. And, you know, and, and think about, they're kind of saying like, hey, you know, oh, you follow Paul? Well, you know, Paul, he's yesterday's news. We follow Apollos, you know? And then someone else is like, well, we follow this guy over here. It's kind of like, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, well, my dad can beat up your dad. That's basically what's going on here. Um, and, and Paul's like, guys, are you serious right now? What, you're, you're arguing about this stuff? Like, you, we're nothing. Paul's nothing. Apollos is nothing. You know who's something is God. And you're completely missing him because of what you're focusing on. And see, Apollos and Paul were God's gifts to the Corinthian church. They were God's good gifts to them. They, they were the, the people that God used to bring the message of Jesus and to make it real into their lives. That's a blessing. The people in your life today who help you to know God and to love God, and serve, they're a blessing. They're a gift from God. But do you know what our egos will always do, church? They will hurt and ruin God's good gifts to us. See, your marriage, it's a gift from God. But do you know what? Your ego can make it an ugly place. And, it, and if it's not challenged, it will do that. You with me? Our kids, if you have kids, that's a blessing from God. But you know what? Our, our ego can, will try to, to hurt and strain those relationships in the wrong way. The gifts of God, the, the greatest adversary to them, is not the things outside of us, church, but it can be the unhealthy things within us. You with me on this? See, so many times in our life, evil doesn't even have to do anything. They're like, oh, your ego's messing things up just fine. The, the devil's like, no, we, we don't got to worry about that guy. Their ego's doing everything I would do. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's a very destructive force in our life. And, and today, I, I want you to know, too, that religious people and non-religious people believe this, too. There's a great book called Ego is the Enemy uh, by Ryan Holiday. He's not writing from a Christian perspective, but, but he's, he just reiterates what the scriptures have said for thousands of years. That there's something broken in the human heart that wants to make it all about us, that wants to you know, draw attention to ourselves in unhealthy ways. And anyway, it's a really good resource um, if anybody's interested in it. Uh, and I have copies out of my trunk that I'll sell you for. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's a helpful read. And so here, here's what I want just to, for us to think about today, is that in our struggles 
with maybe some of the people in our life. Learning from 1 Corinthians and talking about how we solve some of the problems in our life. I, I want us to use as a first measure in the relational struggles in my life that the first thing we're asking ourselves, is this something unhealthy in my ego that's driving this? See, have you ever noticed in life when there is a problem with someone, we focus on what they're doing or not doing? And that becomes and can become the primary lens through which we see the whole situation. And what I think we can learn from the Corinthians is that maybe sometimes it's a good uh, thing to take a step back and say, is, is there something unhealthy in me that's shaping how I see and I react to the situation? Is it maybe not so much of a people problem as it is an ego problem? And I know none of us want to consider that. And the more unwilling you are to consider it, the more you need to consider it. Today, if you're like, Chet, there's plenty of people that have ego problems, but I'm not one of them. Look, you're at the top of the list then, brother, sister. All right, that's how this thing works. Because the ego's sneaky, right? It, it never presents itself as an ego problem. It's not presenting itself here, right? The Corinthians are like, no, Paul, we're not egotistical. We're spiritual, have you ever met someone like that? We're not, I'm not egotistic. I'm just so holy and spiritual that I can look down and disdain everyone. Like, no, I think that's called pride. Amen? And, and the, the egos, it never presents itself as an ego problem. But so many times, that's a real culprit in our life. And when you're most unwilling to think about that as a possibility is when you most need to consider it. That's how you know. When you most are like, you're so certain, it's them. You're so certain. There's no ambiguity. There's no doubt in your mind. That's the time, church. That's your trigger. That's the time to take a step back and say, well, maybe, maybe it's a little bit of me too. I know it hurts to do that. I know it hurts. God will help you though. He will. And, and things will get better and things will get healthier. Now, why is our ego so destructive? Well, Give me, let me give you a couple thoughts. Number one, our, our ego, it, it, there's an emptiness to it. And uh, C.S. Lewis, he says this so well. He says that, that at the heart of pride is not having something. It's having something more than someone else. At the heart of pride is not necessarily just, it's just wanting something, but it's just wanting to be better or have more than someone else. Isn't that an ugly thought? But church, can we be honest? Don't you find that true sometimes in your heart? Do you ever find it, it hard to truly be happy for someone else? And, and especially when maybe that person has something you really want. That's really important to you. And they have it and you don't. That can be a hard thing. Well, why is that hard? Because our ego's knocking at, at the door. It's, it's empty and, and it's trying to latch on to something. And it's a really miserable way to live. Isn't it nice to be able to look at people in your life and truly be happy for them? That is a, that, there is freedom in that. There, there is freedom in looking at the world and not seeing it as this huge competition. But looking at the world and being like, you know what? God has abundant grace for each and every one of us. 
There's not a shortness of his goodness. And so when it's showing up in other people's lives, I'm going to be happy for it. I'm going to thank him for it. And he's still got plenty for my life. That's a beautiful way. Here's the second thing. Our ego is constantly in pain. You ever notice when your body's not in pain, you don't notice it? Right? You don't go home and be like, man, elbow, thank you. You, you killed it today. You just, every time I need to pick something up, you were there for me. I love you. Um, you know, you don't, you're not like, dude, wrist, that was such a good day. But if, if one of those things hurts, then you can't take your focus off it, right? Right? You got, you know, my, I kind of had a little back issue and it's been bothering me. And it's like all I think about, you know, because pain draws your attention, doesn't it? Pain, it, it makes you, you, it's hard, you have to work to focus on something else because the pain draws your attention. And our ego is constantly in pain, <laughs> which is why it's always saying, me, 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 me. Look at me, hear me, understand me, respect me, love me, praise me, thank me, help me. It's, it's always drawing our attention because sadly, it's in pain. And part of God's gifts is helping us to find healing so we can begin to focus on others. You said love God, love others. Let, let that be the focus of your attention. And lastly, our ego is busy. And it's busy doing primarily two things, comparing and boasting. I love what James Clear said. I read this this week in his newsletter. He said, stop paying so much attention to what anyone else is doing and run your own race. How much time is spent reading other people's posts on social media, watching other people's exploits in the news, listening to other people's ideas on podcasts? Go have coffee with a friend. Go make something. Go outside. All those hours spent looking at someone else's life on a screen could be used to take action in your own life. I think that's pretty good advice. How about you? And, uh, and it's a good way to, to fight against the poles and the allure of our ego. Now, let me just end this section about protecting. The goal is not self-love or self-hatred. Tim Keller explains this really well. But he says, it, sometimes in our world, you, you know, if someone's having behavior problems, you know, sometimes we, we tend to look at them and we're like, oh, they just, they need more self-esteem. They need to love themselves more. Sometimes that might be true. But sometimes that's not the problem. <laughs> sometimes you're like, I think they love themselves a little too much. You know, that's kind of what, what's going on. They, they're not thinking about anyone else or anything else. He said, but in older traditional cultures, the way that they were encouraged was to sort of have this sense of self-hatred that you're not important, your feelings don't matter, your thoughts don't matter. And he said, neither extreme puts our ego in a healthy place. It's not about self-love or self-hatred, but he says it's about self-forgetfulness. It's about I'm, I'm, I'm focused not on me one way or the other, but I'm focused on God. I'm focused on other people. And it's a powerful thing. In this next chapter in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says, he says, I don't, I, I don't care how you judge me. And he says, I don't even judge myself. Wouldn't that be cool to live in that kind of freedom? To, to live without really overly concerned 
with people's judgments or evaluation on you? And wouldn't it be amazing to live with the freedom of not being overly concerned with your own judgment on yourself? Paul says, here's what I'm doing. I'm doing what God calls me to do. And guess what? That takes up enough of my mental energy and my focus that I don't have a whole lot of time to sit around and worry about other thoughts or even my own. I think that's powerful. And, and I think that the, the more we see and understand our ego as the thing that can really mess up God's good gifts in our life, the thing that can really, really mess up, I think the more prepared we are to protect against it. You with me on this, church? So we need to protect. Now, let's look at this second part. We need to build on this foundation. And let me pick up at verse 10 here. I think it's verse 10. He says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building on it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire, the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive award. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Now let's talk about building on this foundation. So Paul's telling the Corinthians, he's saying, you, you have a good foundation, but it's being hurt by your immaturity, by your ego. It says, in, in fact, that the foundation is meant to be built on, but it's meant to be built on with quality and care. Now, let's dig into this for a second. The, the first thing that Paul shows us is that in life, not all foundations are good to build on. Now, this is kind of a radical statement in our world today. Because kind of our perspective tends to be, well, hey, whatever foundation you want, if it's the one you want, build on it. And it should turn out fine. And Paul says, no, there's actually only one foundation to build your life on. And we look at Paul, you're like, Paul, of all the options that are out there in this world, Paul, have you ever heard of this thing called Google, right? You Google what foundation to build on, you're going to get a billion answers. And Paul says, yeah, I don't care. There's only one foundation worth building your life on. That is a radical idea. I've been reading this book by a sociologist, and he says that, um, that our approach as, as Americans in this age is that we often look at spirituality as a buffet. It's like a good trip to Golden Corral. Amen. There, there's some part. <laughs> there's some, hey, Valentine's Day is coming up, guys. All right. Uh, there's <laughs> Everybody hates on Golden Corral. I love that place. Uh, but there, there's, there's a variety. <laughs> we'll go there this week, babe. Uh, there's. <laughs> There, there's a variety of options, isn't there, right? And, and when you go to a buffet, you pick the stuff you like and, and you leave the stuff you don't like. 
And he says, that's how we think about spirituality. It's like, I'll take a little bit of this, but I don't want that. I'll take a little bit of Jesus over here, but I don't like Jesus on this point. So I'll kind of, and he says, we, we, we put this, but he says, it's foundationless. At, at the end of the day, if our spirituality is driven by our preferences, there's no foundation to it. And today, we think about it that way, and it makes sense to us, but, but here's the problem. Nothing can be built on that because it's not a foundation that can hold anything. Yeah, buffets are great for lunch, but it's not a great idea in terms of understanding the, founda- the spiritual foundations of our life. You with me on this? Paul says there's only one foundation, and it's Jesus Christ. And nothing else can hold, nothing else can give you the foundation that you need. Now, what does he mean by just kind of building our life on Christ? Well, number one, it means that that we understand God, ourselves, and the world through Christ. Instead of just understanding spirituality through my preferences. Because look, there's some things Christ says, and I love that. There's some things Christ says that challenge me. And I'd love to be like, hey, Jesus, you mind if I change this whole thing about loving my enemies? Because they really annoy me. And I don't, I don't want their well-being, you know? Can we just kind of, uh, like, there, there's some things that, that I receive easily, and there's some things that challenge me. Now, at the end of the day, if God agrees with every thought and preference that you have, you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping yourself. You with me? What kind of relationship is it if God cannot challenge me? If God cannot say, son, daughter, I know you think that, but you're, you're off. There's a better way, right? You can't have a marriage like that. You, you can't have any re- meaningful relationship with a- anyone where it's just a, a reflection of everything you already think, believe, and behave. You with me on this, church? That's called an echo chamber. And... It's foundationless. Here's what Paul says. The foundation to build our lives on Jesus Christ. I want to think about who God is, not just through my own mind, but through the person of Jesus Christ. I want to think about the meaning and the drive and the purpose of my life, not just through my own lens, but through Christ. I want to think about other people. Christ is my foundation. Second, his words are the guide for my life. I'm going to look at what he says about how to live, how to treat people, how to connect to God, and and they're going to become the compass for my life. And third, his works become my trust and my hope in a difficult world. That that what Christ has done through his death, through his resurrection, they're, they're going to be the cornerstone of my inner strength, of my inner hope, of my inner faith, of my inner well-being. They're going to be the foundation. Paul says there's only one foundation. Now, here's what's so cool about this. He says, according to the grace of God given to me, I laid this foundation. This foundation is God's gift to you. It's God's grace to you. Today, if you're like, I think I've been building on something different than that. Here's what I want you to know. 
God gifts us that foundation. It's grace. It's an all, all you have to do is just say, Lord, I want that. Lord, I need that. I believe Jesus Christ. He died. He rose again. He came to do that, to give me this foundation that not only lasts in this life, but lasts through all eternity. And God gifts that to us as a grace. And here's the beautiful part. It's never too late to get that. No matter how long maybe we've lived with a a broken foundation, God can give us a new one today. And it's never too early to get that either. The younger you are, the more that you decide to build your life on the foundation of Christ, two things happen. Number one, God gives more potential in your life for how he can glorify your name. There's more time and opportunity to build something of meaning and beauty and goodness on it. Number two, the sooner we take Christ seriously, the less pain that we avoid in life. And that's a good thing. You'll thank me for that one day. It's, it's a good thing. You'll be like, wow, there was a lot of ditches I could have went in, but, but Christ grounded me. Christ showed me a better way. So he says it's the only foundation that can last. But then he says, build on it with care and quality materials. So the foundation is there to be built on. Have you ever had a project in your house that you started and it's still not finished today? Anybody? Amen. Thank you. Praise God we got some honest people here. It happens to the best of us, doesn't it? Have you ever seen a construction project that got started but maybe they ran out of funding or something happened and what was going to be this grand building is, you know, just maybe the very beginnings of something. The goal of a good foundation is to build something upon it, right? That's everybody's intent. And God blessed you. If you're a follower of Jesus today, you have a good foundation. It's there. Maybe stuff's seeping in, but, but it can be repaired. It's still there. And God wants to build on it. And sometimes, church, in our walks with God, we allow our life to be an unfinished project. And Paul says sometimes we're going to stand before the Lord, and the Lord's going to be like, those are beautiful basement walls. They're great. I built them. But I built them so I could put some walls up. And I could put some doors up. And I could put a beautiful kitchen in there. And I could give you this nice room. And I even had a ping pong table for you to put in there. But <laughs> but, but the, the walls never went up. The paint, the drywall never, the roof never came over. And I love you. And you're still mine. But I had more for you. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying don't, don't arrive at the end as an unfinished project. Yet God still loves you. Christ still died for you, and and you will experience his goodness. But the Lord will say, son, daughter, I had a better build in mind. And I would have loved to have done it together. Don't let it be an unfinished project. But then Paul also says we need to build it with with care and quality materials. 
that each one of our faith journeys, it, it needs care and quality material. And let me just kind of give some ideas about what I think that might look like in me. Number one, to, to, be, to become everything God wants us to be, you need quality people in your life. Quality people. Here's how you know that, that, that they're quality. They, they strengthen your faith. They allow it to expand, not shrink. You with me on this? Quality people. And I will say to you, this church is truly filled with quality people. This church, the, some of the finest people I know are in this church. Being around you is a blessing to me. So often I interact with people in the church and I, and I kind of, you know, step away from that interaction. And it's like, man, I, I want to serve God better. I want to be more than I am right now. I want to be a better husband or dad. The influence of the people of this church, they will infect you like that. And that's a blessing. And maybe in this season in our life, we we need more of that. Maybe some of us, we we need that influence of, of God's people to just strengthen us, to encourage us. You ever been around someone who just drains the life out of every room? It's hard to make progress being around that all day, right? Some of you work with those type of people. How, how do you do that? Well, you, you need quality people. Some of them you might not be able to get away from. But we need people who are calling us forward, who are strengthening what God is building. And they're around you, church. Hey, sometimes you might have to take a risk and be like, hey, let's hang out, you know? <laughs> Sometimes you, what I'm saying is, don't be that person that's like, oh, I, I need people in my life, but you never put yourself out there. You with me? Don't be that Christian that's like, oh, I, 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 feel, I feel so alone. Well, have you tried to talk to anybody? No, dude. Are you crazy? No. Well, Okay, look, God's got people around you, but sometimes you've got to bridge the gap a little bit. Amen? Single men, God's got someone for you, but you might have to ask them out. You know what I'm saying? This is how, this is how it works. Amen? I'll save that for next week. We're talking about marriage. and We've we got to take those steps, church. There are, I'm telling you, God has people he wants in your life. But you might need to take the step to open your heart and your life up to it, and you'll be strengthened for it. We need quality ideas, quality ways of of thinking and understanding and growing in our relationship with God. Now, here's how you know they're quality ideas. They refocus you on Christ, and they make you more generous toward other people. In the Corinthian church, this was one of the big problems. They did not have quality ideas. They had other people coming in, and they were preaching a message of wisdom. But here's the problem with it. It was taking their focus off of Christ, and it was making them less generous with each other. It was making them fight amongst each other. And I will tell you, if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, you can find many markets of Christian teaching that after you leave it, You're going to be more judgmental and mean to those around you, and you're going to lose your focus on Christ. 
And we have to, be, we have to think about what are we feeding our faith with? What, are we feeding our, our faith with ideas and things that draw us to Christ and make us more generous for others? If we are, that's quality material. That's gold and silver and precious metals. If not, it's the junk stuff. It's junk food. And we need quality practices. We need, we need to, to build our faith through habits and rhythms in our life that strengthen our faith. Praying, reading scripture, serving, journaling, all these different, there, there's so many different, we often call these spiritual disciplines. You know, you could kind of say like spiritual workouts. They're, they're ways of, of strengthening your spiritual life. And we need those to have a growing and a healthy faith. Let me ask you this. If you just never do anything to your lawn, does it look nice? It gets, it gets bad real quick, doesn't it? But every week when the weather's nice, you're out there, you're cutting, you're treating it, you're cleaning up the leaves, you're doing stuff. Right. You, you have to maintain it. And church, if your faith, it could start out great and beautiful and good, but if you don't put routine effort in it, it doesn't grow. It doesn't get healthy. And, you know, we know everything else in the world works like that, but sometimes when it comes to our spirituality, we're like, I don't know what's going on. I haven't prayed in 14 years. I don't know why I feel far from God. Well, you got to put some daily effort into it. Sorry. Quality endeavors. Here's, here's the last one. I think that it's important to have a sense of, of mission in life. What is God calling me to do? I think your faith gets strengthened as you decide you're going to use your life to serve him. And you begin to pray about it, and you begin to think about it, and you begin to take action. I think every one of us, we need God-sized challenges in our life. When Christ showed up to Paul, Jesus said to him, hey, I got a God-sized challenge for you. You're going to take the gospel to the Gentile world, to the non-Jewish world. And you're just going to take it all over the place, and you're going to share. And Paul's like, all right, I'll do it. And it, it was incredibly challenging. But you know what else it was? It was incredibly fortifying. And all of us, I believe God has work. He's got plans. He's got a purpose that he wants you and I to do. And in it, our faith grows and builds and strengthens and becomes something more. And we need that. Now, I love this whole idea of thinking about us as God's building. And here's how I thought about this text. If we are God's building, as Paul says, then God is kind of like the general contractor. You're not into that. That's okay. Just go, go with me on this. You know, general, he, he's the project manager, if you will. He's the GC. He's, he's kind of organizing um, the whole project. And, and I was thinking about this, and, and it reminded me of a couple things. That, that number one, God cares deeply about your life. I want to remind you of that today. If you're a general contractor, 
and you show up to a multi-million dollar project and you're like, I don't care how this goes. You're not going to last long, right? And, and the best people in that role, they care about it like it's their own. The person you want building your house is the person that thinks, how would I build it if it were mine? Right? That's who you want. The person you, you want them to have that mindset. And church, I want you to know when God looks at your life, he deeply cares about it. You're not just some random blob of cells to him. You matter to him. Your life matters to him. God has not brought you here and started a work in you so he can step back and say, eh, well, it didn't really pan out, but I guess it's good enough. Your life matters. I know it's easy to leave these doors. It's easy to go through a hard week, and it's easy to question, but does it really matter? Does it really matter? And God says to us, it absolutely does. Even when you feel like it doesn't, it does. This project matters. Your life matters. And Paul says, and he'll go on to say in these next couple chapters, he'll say, in fact, we are God's temple. And that God wants to dwell among us. You know, God wants to build you and build me into a person where his presence can become more powerful and more real through us. That's the point of the temple where man and God meet. And Paul says, hey, Corinthian church, God wants to make you the type of people where, where others experience the reality of his goodness, of his love, of his presence through you. You know, church, can I tell you today, God is building something in your life that's not just about you. It's about what God wants to do through you. It's not just, just about our own life, but it's about how God wants to use your life for his glory. And it matters. And it matters. Now, here's what else I know. I don't know a lot about general contractors, but I do, I do know this. That a good one knows how to solve problems. And a great one knows how to get a project back on track. I can't imagine how many project managers, GCs, have been doing some just huge, huge project, and then there's, there's a million-dollar mistake. And I can't imagine how many times they step back and they're like, all right, how are we going to figure out this one? Or there's this huge delay. How are we going to still finish this project? It's, it's going off the rails. Well, guess what? The great ones, they find a way, don't they? And they get it done. And they make things happen. And they're, they're not in that role because problems never come. They're in that role because problems always come. They're in that role because when it gets off rails, they're the person to bring it back. Now, some of us today, you might feel like God's plan for my life, this project, it's delayed. Or maybe you're like, yeah, I think it's been destroyed <laughs> It's just not in a good place. Here's what I need you to know today. God is an amazing general contractor. He can get the project back on track. 
I don't care how many years you wasted. I don't care how messed up you think it is. You need to know who your God is today. And you need to know his power, his ability, his willingness, and his grace to help you. Paul looks at the Corinthian church, you guys are, this is whack. But God's not done with you. And I'm still confident on what he can do in your life. And I want you to, I want to ask you, are you confident about what he can do in your life today? Not what you can do, we all know that's not that much, but what what he can do and what he's willing to do. He's not done with you. The project's not over. It has it, it's, it's time to keep walking with him. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your constant grace to each and every one of us. Father, I'm sure that if we trusted you more and if we obeyed you more, Everything could be built in its proper time and its proper way, but Lord, that's not life. We're broken and we're imperfect. But I thank you that your ability to fix, to heal, to forgive, to renew, to strengthen is greater than our ability to mess things up. And I thank you that our hope is in you and not us. And today, Father, we just ask and invite you to strengthen what you've started in each of our lives. I pray, Father, that we could all have that foundation of Jesus Christ. And I pray on that could be built something that is awesome, something that is good, something that is quality. And I pray it could mediate your presence to the world around us. Grant us this grace in Jesus' name. Amen.